The Restless Heart Podcast, Episode 1. Glory to Jesus Christ. Glory forever. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Restless Heart Podcast. My name is David. And I'm Vanessa. How are you doing, Vanessa? I'm doing great. What did you do this week? I went to a wedding. Did you catch the bouquet? Actually, they didn't have that. Oh. Everyone was asking. <laughs> it was a really small wedding. <laughs> but my God, the dress was gorgeous. Absolutely gorgeous. Whenever I go to a wedding, my mother and my sister always ask me about what the bride was wearing and what the bridesmaids were wearing. <laughs> Apparently, I can't remember. It's oh, not a no. valid answer. No, it's not. No. So I've, I've, had to, I've had to learn to pay more attention. A lot of money is spent into that and a lot of time and coordination. And yeah, just take pictures next time. I can tell, them, I can tell them what food was served at the reception. Nobody, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Nobody cares about that part. I do. So what are we going to talk about today? Wait, how was your weekend? Oh, my weekend was, was wonderful. I, on Sunday, uh, I got together with a bunch of friends and we went and watched Spider-Man. Mm, how was it? Oh, so much fun. So much fun. things about it. I don't know. I've kind of lost track after Tobey Maguire. <laughs> <laughs> that was a while ago. I know. This one, this one was great. Okay. I would. I think I'm going to say it's my favorite Spider-Man movie. Oh, no. Now i got to watch it. Mm. Okay. So what are we talking about today, David? Today we are talking about worship in the early church. So not dating. Not dating. Okay. Maybe next episode. All right. All right. All right. Maybe All right. next episode. I want to talk about worship in the early church because I have a talk that I've given in a few places about worship in the early church. And I always love people's reaction when I ask the question, what was worship like in the early church? You mean early church after Jesus died mm. and was resurrected like 40 years after this? First century, second century, third century. Okay, yeah. got it. Because some people think that we have no idea what, what <laughs> went know, on in the favorite. early church. What? You read the Bible? What? <laughs> And other people like to imagine the church being very different, uh, some strange esoteric rites. I usually like kicking it off with reading them a little bit of an early liturgy of the church. And I explain that I'm going to read part of the presider, the person that's, that's leading. And if they can guess the responses of the people, that they should just jump right in. Okay. So let's try it now. So this is from the early centuries of the church. The Lord be with you. And with your spirit. Lift up your hearts. We lift them up to the Lord. Let us give thanks to the Lord. It is right and just. Well. This is weird. I feel like a trained dog. I know. I know. <laughs> How'd you do that? <laughs> well, either you are far older than you look. Oh, no. Or maybe the early church worship was kind of familiar to modern Catholics. All right. I'm listening. <laughs> Well, see, we actually do know an awful lot about what went on in the early church when they gathered together. And we know about it particularly through people who we call the early church fathers. And if you're going to listen to this podcast for any length of time, you're going to hear me talk about these guys a lot. These were basically the people who continued running the church after all of the apostles had died. Right, time out. So early church fathers mm -hmm. are different than the apostles. Yes. 
Okay, so I thought they were the same. The, the, the apostles are our early fathers in a sense. But typically when people talk about the early church fathers, they're talking about the people who ran the church from about the end of the first century through to, it varies, but maybe about the eighth century. Okay. And uh, we, they leave us their writings. And they talk about what they did when they gathered together. Their writings as in like their homilies or like... It's a whole mixture of things. Some of it's homilies, some of it's letters that they wrote to each other. Uh, St. Cyril of Jerusalem, he wrote these uh, catechetical lectures. So when he was preparing people to be baptized and after they were baptized, he had these lectures to teach them about the faith and about the sacraments. Ooh, like a follow-through. Nice. Yeah, yeah. And we also have some of these early liturgies of the church. The one that we quoted a little earlier was from the apostolic tradition by a guy called Hippolytus of Rome. And he, he was wanting, he wasn't liking all of the modernization in the church because, you know, there were people, get this, there were people who were celebrating the liturgy in Latin. Modernists. Shocking. <laughs> Why? Shocking. What language was it supposed to be in? Well, he was used to be, it being said in Greek. Oh, I see. Mm. Opa. <laughs> exactly. But Hippolytus, he, he wrote this work because he wanted to preserve the apostolic tradition. He wanted to, people to know what he was taught. Uh, so the early church fathers tell us an awful lot about what happened in the early church. And the person I always like to focus on is a guy called Justin Martyr. So let's talk a little bit about him before we talk about what he tells us about Christian gatherings. He was born in about 100 A.D., in Samaria. But he wasn't a Christian. He was actually raised a pagan. Dun, dun, dun. Yeah. But what made Justin wonderful is he was really searching for truth. And he was primarily searching for truth through philosophy. Mm. Now, I don't know about you, but I always thought philosophy is sort of dry and abstract and something that takes place in universities. <laughs> but in those early centuries, philosophy was much more... It's like news. Practical. It was much more Social practical media. and important. Yeah. Because like if you weren't checking the updates on philosophy, you weren't <laughs> cool. <laughs> yes. Uh, Plato was seriously trending around this time. <laughs> but the philosophical schools of the time, they were much more akin to really religions. And they, they really tried to penetrate this question of what is the good life? What is the right way to live? And what is the happy life? And Justin moved through several different philosophical schools as he was trying to find out truth. How can he afford that? I can barely afford two. <laughs> <laughs> well, you had three degrees. You know, he, he visited mm, four different philosophical schools. I have loans. He probably had mommy and daddy to take care of it, right? Yeah. Oh, of course quite like, he did. Quite likely. Quite likely. So Justin started off going to the Stoics. Now, you've heard somebody be described as Stoic before. Like D handsome, but I wouldn't date him. <laughs> well, traditionally, if you describe somebody as stoic, it means that they will typically bear adversity well. They'll be very stone-faced in, 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 the, in the face of trouble. Well, stoicism was actually a full philosophical system, but Justin didn't stay with them for too long because they couldn't tell him about God. Kind of like what the problem I have when I'm dating. Yes, yes. The stoics weren't too concerned with God, but for Justin... That was a deal breaker. He really I wanted to you, know man. about God. I feel you. Okay, I'm <laughs> translating it into your language. Well, he then moved from the Stoics to a peripatetic philosopher. What? Peripatetic. God bless you. 
that he was a, a disciple of Aristotle, following Aristotle's philosophy. Mm, okay. But Justin didn't stay too long with him either. Jeez. Because this guy kept asking for money. Oh. And so from Justin's point of view, this guy wasn't really a philosopher. He was more of a charlatan. He cared more about money than he did about truth. Kind of like those guys that make you pay half the tab. Sure. <laughs> yeah. It's. A, I bet you guys never knew that there was so much, so much similarity between philosophy and dating. Who knew it? Well, Justin then decided to date the Pythagoreans. A squared plus B squared equals C squared. Exactly. Ooh, I did my homework. Yeah. Pythagoras theorem. Most people learned it in school. Well, the, again, the Pythagoreans were a full philosophical system. But when Justin went to them, they said, well, you know, do you know music, astronomy, geometry? Because for the Pythagorean philosophy, all of these things were related. But Justin didn't really want to have to learn the tuba to learn about God. <laughs> what about theater? I don't think he really cared about that either. And he didn't really care what the sum of the interior angles on a, on a triangle <laughs> added up to. Nessa, do you know what the sum of the interior angles no, of an angle? No, It's 180 degrees. Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. So if nothing else has interested you in this podcast, you've at least learned something. <laughs> and then Justin moved on to the Platonists. So this is the philosophy of Plato. And Justin really took to this. Because Plato's philosophy spoke about immaterial realities and spoke about God. Mm. And Justin writes about how he thought he made great strides and he, he thought he was going to look upon the very face of God through Plato's philosophy. Oh, that's beautiful. But then Justin met an old man. One day he was walking near the seaside and he meets this guy. We never find out his name. And as far as we know, Justin never met him again. But this old man starts talking to Justin about truth and about how we can come to know truth from reason and also from revelation. And he, start, and he starts telling Justin about the prophets, and he basically teaches him about Christianity. Wait, the prophets from the Old Testament? Mm-hmm. What? And, uh, and about how their truth is vindicated through their prophecy and about how they ultimately pointed towards Jesus. What's this old man's name? We never find no out. No name? We don't know Dude, his name. He's totally God or a guardian angel. Quite possibly. So mysterious. We, we, we never find out, and Justin doesn't write about it. Oh, that's totally going in a script. <laughs> well, this is it for Justin. He still regards himself as a philosopher, but he's now found the true philosophy, Christianity. And back in those days, a philosopher had an outfit, in the same way like a chef has a puffy hat. Mm -hmm. Well, back then, if you're a philosopher, you wore this special kind of philosopher's cloak. And so wearing his philosopher's cloak... Uh, Justin then sets up a catechetical school to teach Christianity. So Hogwarts. <laughs> With the cloak. <laughs> Sorry, I had to. Okay, yeah, it's the Christianity of Hogwarts. <laughs> Lord have mercy. Anyway, moving the story on, Justin is martyred in about the age, uh, about the age of 65-ish. Wait, they live that long? Mm-hmm. Mm. Yeah, if you looked after yourself, if you ate your vegetables and got plenty of rest. What are you trying to say? Nothing about the American diet, for certain. Ouch. But yeah, Justin was, uh, he was ha handed into the authorities by a man named Crescens. He was a fellow philosopher with whom Justin had had some disputes. So, so he turned him in over some disputes? Mm -hmm. That's so lame. Yep. Take it out like a man and just like... <laughs> 
tough it out with no, your, no? not okay, not Creston's. Fine. He'd been They're bested by Justin and Logic, so delicate men. He turned him in. And that's why we call Justin Justin Martyr, because he was one of the early martyrs of the church. He died? He died. Holy Yep, he was beheaded along oh. with six companions. What? So Justin wrote many, many works, but we've only got three of them left. We have two apologies, two defenses of the Christian faith, and one dialogue that he had with a, a Jew by the name of Trifo. And it's in the first apology that Justin describes early Christian worship. So he was writing this, this apology to the emperor and to the senate and to the pagan world because at the time there were many rumors about what Christians did and what they believed. So one of the, one of the common claims against Christianity was that they were cannibals. Ooh. Because that needs the, to stop. Yeah. Well, the pagans had heard about Christians eating and drinking the flesh and blood of oh, somebody. Oh, okay. And they also accused them of incest because mm-hmm. Christians were talked about loving their brothers and sisters. Oh, I never thought of it that way. Wow. Well, it's the pagan mind, I'm afraid. <laughs> so Justin writes this response, and he describes what Christians do when they gather together: that it's not incest and it's not cannibalism. So here's how he begins. So this is the first apology of St. Justin Martyr. He says, And on the day called Sunday, all who live in cities or in the countryside gather together in one place. So here Justin is saying that Christians gather not on the Sabbath, not on Saturday, but on Sunday. This is when Christians gather together. And he goes on and says, The memoirs of the apostles and the writings of the prophets are read as long as time permits. What do you think the memoirs of the apostles are? The gospels. Yeah, the gospels and the writings of the prophets, the Old Testament prophets. But as long as time permits. Yeah. Uh... See, if you you go to a mass today, there's quite often a a longer reading and a shorter reading. So if the reader doesn't want to read as long, they can choose a a truncated version. Not in the early church. You read as long as you could. Uh. It's God's God's word. It's God's word. He goes on. He says, Then when the reader has finished, the president instructs and exhorts them to the imitation of these good things. Mm. What does that sound like to you? Mm. When somebody instructs you, teaches you, and exhorts you to imitate the things of scripture. Like a priest. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Like, Like the homily at mass. So if you look at what we've just talked about, it's talked about the reading of the Gospels, reading the New Testament, reading of the prophets, the Old Testament, and that then this president then instructs and teaches people to imitate the scriptures. This is the liturgy of the word. Justin goes on. He says, then we all rise together and pray. What happens? What's the first thing that happens after the homily? Our Father? I was thinking more of the bidding prayers the prayers of intercession, where we pray for the, the Pope, we pray for the priests, we pray for the people in our diocese, oh, our community. bishop. Okay. Mm-hmm. So they did, they did the same thing in the second century. After, after the homily, they rise together and pray. Justin goes on. He says, And as we said before, when our prayer is ended, bread and wine and water are brought forth. Does that sound familiar? Yes, it does. Sounds kind of like the offertory procession. And the president, in like manner, offers prayers and thanksgivings according to his ability. Do you know what the Greek for thanksgiving is? No. Eucharistia. Oh, 
Oh, snaps. I know where you're going. So he says that the president, in like manner, offers prayers and Eucharistia. He offers a Eucharistic prayer, a prayer of thanksgiving. But notice what he says, according to his ability. Because he's still human. But also, at this point in church history, not all of the prayers are prescribed, are, are set and laid out. Some are. So when the, when, the, when the priest today says Mass, he has a book that tells him what to say and what to do with his body. You know, raise your hands and say these words. In the early church, there was still a little bit more fluidity in the liturgy. There were certainly set prayers, but if you were gifted in extemporaneous prayer, prayer off the cuff, this is what you would do. So this is why he says he offers these prayers and thanksgivings according to his ability. This is like improv? It's like improv. And it's just over time in the church when we've had people who have been able to pray these beautiful prayers, somebody's written them down and said, that was beautiful. We're praying that every Sunday. And after he's said these prayers, Justin says, the people are sent, saying, Amen. And all the people said, Amen. Oh, and all the people said, Amen. (laughs) So this is the great Amen. He goes on, he says, And there is a distribution to each of the Eucharistic elements. The deacons carry a portion to those who are absent. Oh. Does that happen today? Yeah. Yeah. This is the distribution of Holy Communion and taking of communion to people who aren't at Mass. Homebound in the hospitals or at yep. their house. Sick, yeah, old, homebound. And also don't forget, this is the early church and so there's persecution, so also people in prison. Ooh, yeah. Yeah, you were right. And then Justin talks about uh, a collection of money. He says, Those who are able give willingly whatever sum they think appropriate. The money collected is deposited with the president. He gives it then to comfort orphans, widows, and those who are wanting, through sickness or any other cause, and those who are imprisoned, and strangers traveling among us. In a word, he takes care of all who are in need. That's so sweet. Mm. Notice how he says those who are able. Yeah. That's important. Yeah, yeah. it's a free will offering. Take it out of your paycheck. <laughs> even, in, even in the second century, they had a poor box. And then Justin closes off this section by explaining why Christians gather on Sunday. He said, We hold our assembly on Sunday because it is the first day on which God brought forth the world from darkness and matter. If you read the first chapter of Genesis and follow through the days, day one, let there be light, that's Sunday. So he says, We gather together on Sunday because that's when God said, Let there be light. And he goes on, he says, On the same day, Jesus Christ, our Savior, rose from the dead. Jesus rose on Easter Sunday, which is why Christians gather on Sundays. He says, For he was crucified on the day before Saturn's day, Saturday. And on the day of the sun, Sunday, he appeared to his apostles and disciples and taught them these things, which we have submitted to you for your consideration. Was this during the day or at night and evening? It was usually first thing in the morning. Christians would typically Ooh, rise while it was still dark. Sun, yeah. Oh, yeah. There was, it, in the early church, they were tough. There was none of this, you know, noonday mass or <laughs> 8 o'clock on a Sunday night. If you wanted to celebrate the Eucharist, you got out of bed early. Oh, dedication. And that was how people worshipped in the second century. They celebrated the Eucharist. And if you're... Catholic or Eastern Orthodox or even High Church Anglican or Lutheran, what Justin describes should sound very, very familiar. Pretty cool. Pretty cool. 
I'm sure we'll talk about the early church again. It's one of my favorite topics. Oh, clearly. <laughs> so what are you up to this week, Nessa? I'm going to Mexico. <laughs> oh, very cool. Uh, my grandfather has a dentist appointment, so I'll be taking him there. Oh, you're a good granddaughter. Uh, well, the tacos there are good, so he'll be there for like three hours. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just going to go get some tacos. Well, this weekend is Comic-Con. And I don't have a ticket, but I always try and get downtown for at least an hour or so and just sit and watch all of the people dressed in their wonderful outfits. So people watching is what you're doing this weekend. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It, it, it's, it's wonderful to be able to walk into a bar and see a few stormtroopers sitting <laughs> sitting down having, <laughs> yeah, a, having a nice cool. drink. Do you take pictures with them? No. I see a lot of people doing that. I, I'm, I'm too English. I, I, can't, I can't do that. I, went to Com- I didn't go to Comic-Con on purpose last year. I was going to Seaport Village on a date. And I didn't realize it was Comic-Con until we hit the streets. And I'm like, oh, Lord. Dating someone that doesn't know it's Comic-Con. Oh, Terrible. Oh, jeez. Oh, now he talks about dating. Well, <laughs> when it's about important things to do with Comic-Con, sure. Oy, oy, oy. So thank you, everyone, for listening. Uh, please like, share, and subscribe. You should be able to find us on iTunes and Google Play. If you'd like to contact us, restlesspilgrim.net is the website. And our joint Twitter handle is David and Nessa. Tweet us questions, please. Dating, though. M- mainly dating. You know they're gonna. <laughs> <laughs> you made us for yourself, O oh Lord. And our hearts will wander restless until we rest in you. All you holy angels and saints, pray for us.